0: Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to What's New in Cloud FinOps. This is the March episode with me, Frank Contrepois, and my good friend,
1: Stephen Old. Hi, Frank. Oh,
0: yeah. Hello. Another fantastic month, another fantastic <laughs> set of news, I'd say. I'm always very yeah. optimistic. And uh, this month, uh, we will also have, uh, just to put some suspense in here to, to uh, a special episode with an interview to web brown who is the co-founder of Kubicost. so that is going to be very interesting and i'm preparing a list of
1: hard tough finops questions <laughs> yeah i think if if whenever you start getting into questions if people people want to try to like trip you up around finops they always ask how do you handle uh, containers and how do you handle Uh, you know, the cost allocation of containers and all this kind of stuff. Uh, And hopefully on our special episode, we'll know the answer rather than having to make it up on the fly. (laughs) As usual. usual.
0: (laughs) 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 Okay, so let's move on on the news and what happened in the last month. So I think my first is mine. And so it is the new uh, new Amazon RDS multi AZ option with up to twice fast transaction commit latency, automated failover under 35 seconds. And uh, just so that means that all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, kind of multi AZ RDS seems to have a much better communicate latency system. So you will be able to commit to, to have double the workloads that you have today and still keeping up with your multi-AZ, and at the same time, it also seems to say that the failover will take less than 35 seconds, which is absolutely brilliant. The only downside of this, which is in little fonts, is that it is only North Virginia, Oregon, and Ireland. Uh, those are the only ones that, until now, seems to have received this network upgrade.
1: Interesting. And when you think about it, I mean, some of those are big old regions. Um, I think yeah. the, in terms of the amount of AZs they have as well, so you'd think it will probably start rolling out to others, which might be simpler installations. But that's probably where they've had the highest yes. requests.
0: Well, yes, it's also because they're probably they, they need they have the oldest. You, you, let's be mm. cynical. Some seconds they have the oldest networking equipment. They yeah, have they yeah. need to upgrade it first. So, but anyway, that that's really good news. If you're having a database, you wanted to make it. Uh, secure so both from ha perspective so your disaster recovery and at the same time kind of ha so failover really cool in less than a minute having your db up and running again it's it's absolutely brilliant
1: yeah it is yeah super cool right on to the next one um amazon again emr now supports auto termination of idle clusters in more regions Uh, so in milan hong kong Cape Town and Bahrain. Now, we normally don't bring one up that's just added some regions, but I don't think, and I've been wrong before, that we've ever talked about this one before. I just think it's a really neat thing. I think it's great for um, that that kind of usage optimization without having to optimize it yourself. And it's just a chance of people being able to save money because EMR can be expensive um, and, you know, it's often doing batch work, so idle clusters uh, being being switched off without needing to kind of manually monitor it. I think's fantastic. So that, yeah. um, if we have spoken about it in the past, apologies, uh, but I don't remember doing it. Maybe Frank did.
0: Well, I don't remember yet possibly, uh, but the, the, the only thing I recommend you always, when you have this automated shutdown, is to understand what are the triggers of shutdown so that you don't end up shutting it down things that you don't want or to make sure that you check if you're interested in the feature, check if there is a, a flag to set somewhere somehow in some uh, either CLI or in the console. But yeah, really cool stuff. Uh, next one. Uh, next one is quite fun. I think it's something that lots of people have already done in some form way, which is now officialized by Amazon, which is cost anomaly detection supports integration with AWS Chatbot, allowing you to send uh, alerts to Slack or Amazon Chime. Uh, and, and that's why I say I'm pretty sure lots of us have created something like that to throw it to Slack, to throw it to Twitter, to I know that you, Steve, you, you did something because I'm receiving all the messages from what you post on Twitter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. We've linked that up into 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 Slack. And we have well, we have a few bits on on my my Slack that do, do things like that. It just means that we can track the news that I thought was interesting when I do the articles <laughs> a bit easier. <laughs> uh, I haven't I don't think I've got it set up right to work with my Paper.li or paper.ly, whatever you want to call it. Well, anyway, that's a whole different ballgame. But yeah, that's um, that's cool. So now
0: you should try to change. You will need to have, you simply configure an Amazon Simple Notification Service, which I've never found that simple, but
1: that's no. not. <laughs> Yeah, it does simple notifications, but setting it up is a different thing. So yeah, there are a couple of things to be done.
0: As usual, the documentation is available, please. Um, but yeah. It's it's official now, so you can officially the good thing when it becomes official by AWS is a part of your at least my crappy script that I usually do to do these kind of things, the quick and dirty approach, is finally managed by someone who will really take care of it. So yeah, yeah if you're like me, quick and dirty, yeah, we might you might want to do the change so you can effectively uh blame it on them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right. Um our next one—I haven't changed my page. How terrible is that? The next one is that AWS Compute Optimizer supports 66 new EC2 instance types. Um, now, this was there's a bit of chat about this in the FinOps Foundation around like what do people use for optimizing, uh, you know, your suggestions in right-sizing and this kind of thing, and whether you use third-party tools. So I've I've had some time with a third-party tool. And well, two different third-party tools now actually, as it happens, and looking at this one, um, so it is quite interesting. But the met—it's all about how good your metrics are. That's where the conversation went to, and I think that's still worth telling people. So, this is great. This now has um, the AMD and Intel um sixth generation um chips well, third generation i suppose they're called um depending on who you're asking for the ms so m6 i and a c6i and c6a but for memory optimized only the r6i and i'm wondering if that's because there isn't an r6i ai haven't actually checked that i've told head i can't remember ever announcing it it's got the storage ones in there which have all the crazy letters that we've talked about in the past almost as you like um but, yeah, just worth note, like they're great, but if you're not, if you've not got any agents on there, then you're not collecting um, the memory data and stuff. so you, you're having to do it all based on cpu and and um, and network and you know, like this, that kind yeah. of stuff. So get the agents in. Um, we're doing a project to make where I' about whether we can get like open telemetry agents to be able to do all this kind of stuff. But interestingly, some of the third party tools can use the CloudWatch agents as well mm-hmm. so if you wanted to compare and contrast if you've got a tool using this and see which one you like the most that should be absolutely possible uh, but i do i do like this and i do think that third party tools are struggling to keep up with the innovation coming out of the native tools at the moment across the board and it is a, a challenge for them and i feel for them because you're always a step behind um and you know the big boys are, are eating up your, your fat, as it were, because they're doing it themselves now as well.
0: Uh, yes, it's as usual. I would say it's uh, when you yeah. see something that works, they'll just start delivering on directly to directly. And so you end up being in a bad, unless you do something drastically different, which most of those self-serving tools, you may move to some security part because that was at least uh, not covered as much as cost, yeah. for example, but, uh,
1: they are catching up. up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you
0: need to keep up. You need to keep up with providing things for your customers. or oh, finding your niche—it's your choice. Uh, let's move on to the next one, which is long and is is particular. It's the AWS organization now provides central AWS account closure uh, mm. to enable easier end to end account lifecycle management. So if you are uh, if you are like me, though, I as a, uh, a As a a reseller also, we we effectively have to open and close quite regularly accounts and having always to not being able to do it centrally has always provided some uh, kind of complications. It's still not easy. Let's be very clear. Closing an account, or removing an account from organization is not a simple thing. <laughs> and I have to say I was looking at the messages recently. It's big red button, are oh, you yeah. sure you want to do and it doesn't yeah. do anything really bad but it was... you gonna just put it back in. Yes, you know. it's just a bit okay but I'm... yeah, anyway, so yeah. we can now do it from the central place. So that's this is good. Um and if you're managing big organizations and you have everything under control, it's quite useful if you start effectively using accounts like AWS recommends you, which is like specialized account, one for authentication, one for login, one for security. <clears throat>
1: you might have things that shift and change over time. Your comments? Uh, yeah. I, so it's an interesting one, right? Because uh, being in, in the partner world, we see organizations that sometimes have built in their Organization level account, whatever you want to call that, because it mm-hmm. kind of, different people have different opinions. I think it's all it's changed again. Management account is called at the moment under the latest documentation, um, and you know the, there's reasons for it now being called that, uh, which we can't go into. But with people having built stuff in the management account, which is no longer best practice, and it being the same place that maybe control tower lives, and or uh, well, the control tower creates two more accounts as we know, um, and then you've got your SSO and stuff like that. Like they actually almost need to create a my mig- integration tool to move your management level services out and being able to because otherwise at the moment if you want to do that if you if you've got like compute usage in there you've got two options one move that compute usage out which if it's become your production account is a nightmare or two, breaking apart your entire organization so getting everything to leave it stopping your master sorry your management account being the organization account creating a new one and then inviting all of those to that one and then moving your sso or moving your uh, your control tower and, all that. and that's a massive task especially if people started using control tower where control tower means that you actually do not have root credentials to accounts you have to basically go in and reset them manually because that's part of control tower it doesn't create root credentials it has no email address on the account um it's a real challenge like if you're doing if you've built on top of something that wasn't initially best practice you're getting into a bigger and bigger mess to be able to get back to the best practice and i don't think aws have given you an easy way to solve that yes Totally different
0: subject, really. <laughs> but still, yeah, but, well, but but I, I let, let's be clear. I use that time also to listen to you and to read again the documentation. And what I'm <laughs> looking here is you can now centrally close member accounts. Mm-hmm. So is it deconsolidation or closure or closing? I think it's closing, isn't it? I think it's closing, which means that you are killing them. Yeah. So th- it's not a deconsolidation no that's interesting i think yeah. i read it as deconsolidation initially
1: right um yeah next I, I, yeah there's a whole <laughs> challenge around around that well still and maybe it will it will change in time anyway a bit of good news um, for those who enjoyed the free tier game we we played, and oh, in a future episode we, we have found ourselves an Azure expert, so we don't get shown up to uh, to not be uh, knowledgeable enough. Who is going to help us play the free tier game on Azure uh, in a few months' time? Uh, which need to book him in. Top guy, who's also um, written a book on Azure cost management, uh, which I have read. So anyway, the new uh, free tier uh for rds and, uh, on um, aws now includes the t3 micro and the t4g micro so you've got access to the graviton chip which for me just makes sense because you don't have to manage any underlying infrastructure so it's a great time to use that graviton that's what we always say um and this is great because in some um in some regions you weren't able to get the t2s because the region came afterwards and so therefore you couldn't use mm-hmm. the free tier but now you can worry not listeners <laughs> you have access to new uh, rds and let us remind you um, that databases were very very important to our ability to use free tier because they were the only way we had storage in some cases for our game but i yes. think that might have been dynamo cuz so i don't think you you yes. pay for your storage separate here so uh, this is still um kind of free tier I think is how we called (laughs) it
0: yes kind of free but still it's there is there is I think it's 12 months there is a time yes 12 12
1: months yeah this one's a 12 month Mm,
0: yeah but okay, yeah, but that's good stuff. And yeah, try. let's go with the, should not change anything from, from user perspective. This is while well, the CPU is completely different. It's yeah. Amazon's work to do the recompile. Exactly. So exactly. yeah, don't worry about cross compilers. <laughs> I remember those times. <laughs> <clears throat> let's move on to AWS announces, AWS Billing Conductor. So AWS Billing Conductor, which is available in all public AWS region, excluding China, is about is a tool to help you uh, let's say create create groups of accounts for your showback and chargeback. So the or better, nah, badly explained. Let's start back. So you have multiple accounts, and some of those accounts, for example, belong to a business unit. Some others belong to another business unit, and you want to charge them differently, or you want to show okay. them differently. You can generate, you can tell Billing Conductor, these accounts work together, these accounts work together, and Billing Conductor will generate completely new curve files. We re, You can see it as running the billing engine specifically for that logical grouping that you've created, generating billing information specific to that grouping. Yeah. So it's it's quite a it's really neat. You can add, you can include discounts, you can add discounts, you can add a cost on top of it, you can group things together, accounts in an interesting way. It it is quite primitive in the the features that you get from a billing perspective, but it's definitely a massive step for what they show back and charge back. Uh, requirements and needs of of more and more customers and it should again remove some of the quick and dirty that uh, people have been doing around
1: yeah Yeah. so with this one and and we've got to be really cautious right because from a from a partner perspective there are times where this really fits in but there are things that uh, it helps with that i think are meant to be NDA so I've got a different way of talking about it. Let's say you've got some sort of commitment deal in place where you get a percentage discount as a enterprise. And what you did is you went around your organization and you said, hey guys, commit to me for how much you're going to be able to commit. And then I'll add all that together and be able to do a big commit with AWS, right? And let's say some departments were able to commit and some weren't. And so you kind of go, do you know what? Because you were able to commit and help me with this, I'm going to give you some discount." You are the ones who didn't commit. I'm not going to give you any. This is where Billing Conductor works out because you can basically get it to run those billing rules, recreate the um, the CURS, because especially now where you've got uh, Cost Explorer and individual CURS at the um, linked account level, you can make sure they're working off the right data, which isn't accessing a discount that they aren't, allowed or they're not meant to get as part of mm-hmm. your internal enterprise deal or however it might be so that's where i think it can work anyone that's in the partner game can therefore see how it could work for them um without me breaking any rules. the rules no. mm-hmm. so yeah. the thing with it is is how it charges and i imagine that's what you're about to do next. <laughs> yes <laughs> well
0: how it charges it charges really per line of curve it's i think it was one thousand uh one thousand four Lines that will cost you 15 cents, mm-hmm. uh, which roughly means that it, it, look, the curve file for those who've been working with it can go quite easily into the million. So they give you one million uh, for free tier, but the reality is that even a three, four million rows, which is not that much, uh, is going to cost you 500 dollars. Yeah. So it's not cheap. uh It is not cheap at all. But at the same time, it's it's not bad. It's The idea is that we are moving towards a much more uh, AWS helping a lot the company that needs to manage money. We now have a PO system. We have, uh, what was it? there are lots of little, lots of tools at yeah. the moment. Quest is joined, which I think we're going to have a massive meta layer soon. Mm-hmm. That's going to take it all together happily. And uh, to manage now your chargeback, your showback, your POs, your allocation, and. We're getting there. We're getting there.
1: Yeah, it um, tricky to say, but I, I remember with um, with Strategic Blue, we were looking at billions of lines yes. in curs uh, to get just to give people a scale. When we're talking about, you know, it can easily be millions. Like if you're big, it's much bigger than that, and you might be creating yep. multiple curs for multiple accounts. Or so it's just worth noting that this could add up that's based on our reading and our understanding of it. It's based on pro forma lines created. And so if you're, you know, it it could add up depending on how complex the rules are. Um, we think it's a great idea and we are hopeful it's great. We know third party tools do something similar based on price books. Um, so worth reviewing maybe how you're already doing it and then just having a real bit of time or maybe just testing out to see whether this is going to be a cost-effective option for you. Um, we we will see i'm sure they didn't create it to be price inhibitive um it just it it feels expensive to us at the moment yes that's is doing it for free which is what we've been doing <laughs> um right a slightly odd one for me now still on amazon Uh lots going on with them uh, amazon rds so still an rds for me the sql server now supports m6i and r6i instances now i misread this in- initially and just saw of as odd, yes. So then, the first thing I went to do was to start looking at the price difference to see whether uh, it was that. And I di- I didn't read that it was SQL. I just assumed it was all uh, SQL Server. So I went and looked at MySQL. but that made me realise that this is only Microsoft SQL Server that has the six eyes and the R six eyes. Sorry, M six eyes and R six eyes. So you cannot get this on any of your um, open source. Um, sql services so it's not on postgres it's not on mysql it's not on oracle or anything like that it at the moment is only on uh on sql server they have some really interesting kind of sizings which is which is cool um and there's a decent talk about kind of the improved quality of the chips which is fantastic um worth noting i don't think the a's are available either just the g's and the six i's um and I will come back to you shortly with what the pricing was, because I got so distracted by the fact that it was only Microsoft SQL, which I just thought was really unusual. Um, not, Not normally the way they go. So you have a theory, don't you, Frank?
0: No, but I'm thinking also, is the G1 too? Because SQL Server on G, don't remember that. They were on ARM
1: yeah yeah so uh, let me check that but um i believe yeah i'm 90 I'm percent sure it is on all of them the g they, they really rolled out the g's with a vengeance on um on all of them uh, yes
0: wow okay so yeah. microsoft compiled it all for yes you can install sql server on a mac too yeah okay wow okay you see you learn every time you i i learn something every time i do this podcast no 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 real no no specific theory at the moment but don't worry give me some time and i'll i'll have something yeah yeah we did we
1: did wonder whether it was a big um a big release didn't we whether so like like big customer sorry requesting it
0: yes yes big customer requesting it or you know but when i say big customer i mean really big big customer like yeah, the departments of something in the
1: US. So the Uh. price versus the M5 is the same. Um, So you're getting increased compute capacity, um, but for the same price. uh, And the Rs are more expensive, which is normal, versus the Ms. but I haven't got an. R- oh, here's my R5. The R5s are the same price as the R6Is. So this is something that I think we've talked about in the past, which we were expecting that um, the new chips wouldn't be cheaper; they'd just be more performant, and that's exactly what we're yeah, seeing. Uh,
0: and and there was another theory here by our uh, visionary <laughs> John Bryant uh, was saying, say also it's there is a part which is the the increase of cost of electricity. Yes, which I probably they are. Saying, yeah yeah they took a hit and then he was thinking about it and he said the idea was to say yes we have the increase of they're taking the hit but for the new generation they're probably just going to ignore they're just not going to give you discounts at the same speed so you're not going to notice because it's hard to notice something that doesn't happen
1: yeah so yeah we talked on the podcast a little while ago i think i think it we're just wondering whether that that was possible yeah
0: But moving on to my favorite things, which are introducing Amazon EC2, X2IDN (laughs) and X2IEDN, which I still struggle to remember what the E is about. But they are designed for memory intensive workload. And mostly that's going to be SAP HANA. They are uh, much, they delivers improvement in performance, price, performance and cost per gigabyte of memory compared to x1 but they don't really tell you how much that's quite interesting that's new in the past they will always tell you 15 percent better or something like this these here we are... go deliver 50 percent higher compute price performance and comparable x1 instances
1: yeah. okay Th- these big... ones are interesting because we actually accidentally spoke about these previously before they were released mm-hmm. because when we were doing some research on them we found these listed on like a Deep dark yes. page somewhere, uh, <laughs> but now they're actually out, um, which is really unusual. I've never known us be able to find something like that in public pages before it's out. Uh, I was quite proud of us when I realised that that happened this month. Next one, we want to Google. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm lying. No. I'm on Amazon Connect forecasting capacity planning scheduling is now available in preview. So this is a service whereby you can use machine learning or get machine learning to run against your Amazon Connect and help you um, plan your capacity for your agents. So you can actually kind of go, okay, well, based on history, these are the times that we're busiest from calls coming in and therefore we need to make sure we've got um, X amount of staff on to be able to handle this many calls. I think that's quite cool. So it's not like cost related in terms of your cloud compute costs? Yep. Well, I guess it is because it's still your... Um, Your connect costs are related to that, but it's also your your people time and and doing that better, Mm -hmm. which is great.
0: And uh, next, last last one from AWS. For me, it's uh, AWS cost anomaly detection now supports resource and tag-based access management. So that's more security, but it also goes with that um, Showback, chargeback, making sure that only the right people can see the right things, so you can limit the visibility of the results and even of cost anomaly detection based on tags. So, for example, I could should be able only to see stuff that says FinOps somewhere in their tags. For example, that will limit my access to only those things and see only the recommendations and everything that cost anomaly detection provides. So, yeah, again, it's. It, it, the good thing is, it, I think it's really good. The bad thing, it's another service and another subset of a service that you need to remember to do in IAM and get all over the place. Mm. But uh, but yeah, when you get it stable, it's really stable. It's Yeah, the setup is yeah. it's probably going to be quite hard for IAM as usual. As usual.
1: Uh, as um, usual. I, I don't know if I... I think I did rant on one previously, but I started trying to use the... Um, the CloudFormation template builder GUI for IAM stuff. And then I was writing my JSON and then it kept deleting it every time. (laughs) Uh. Um, Uh, Yeah, yeah. well, so anyway, I'm still upset as you can see. Right, now, Mm -hmm. as promised, we're on to Google. Um, Save big, it says in big letters, by temporary suspending unneeded compute engine VMs. This is now GA, it was um preview for quite a while obviously that seems like quite a an obvious thing what i find interesting in this it does exactly what you imagine so i'm not going to bore people too much with uh with how it works um but while the instances are in a suspended state you no longer pay for cores or ram instead you only pay for storage costs um of your instance memory uh, other vm running costs such as os licensing may also be reduced that sentence that final sentence i find really interesting and i can't find out whether they are or are not it just says that they may um but still you know it's uh, it, it's it's good that you can be scheduling resources it's a far more efficient way um of doing it using a suspend slash resume. So you actually can just, you know, restart the same VM rather than just having to delete and restart, which delete and restart is absolutely fine for a lot of things as as we know. But for some things you might want to be able to pause and this now allows you to.
0: Yes, and uh, on on that, I think there were we could see when I did some analysis on OS costs, uh th- there were some of them, which seems to be priced by the hour. So, yeah, if you suspend the thing, you might have that you're not paying the license uh, for that specific instance. And it it also probably depends on how long are you going to suspend. If you suspend for less than an hour, you'll probably have zero discount, more than an hour, possibly something. Yeah, maybe. um,
1: Yeah, okay. it might be dependent on the units. Yeah, it might be dependent on the units of charge.
0: Yes, and and, and each uh, operating system is charged differently. I remember Windows was quite clear at the end, but... uh, I think it was Red Hat and Susie were <laughs> quite all over the place. I couldn't find the the, 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 the reason behind. I was quite interested. Really interesting. I need to bring back that that study and update it with the uh, latest numbers on and different cloud vendors. That's for future. Now, uh, so AW, uh, AWS, no, <laughs> Google Cloud. Google Cloud is announcing that they are changing their pricing. And the fact that they start with three big paragraphs telling you how fantastic they are, it's quite interesting when you get to the real meaty part of the thing. So there are four changes. So uh, Google Cloud is changing. It's changing the pricing in particular for storage. And some things are going down and some things are going up. And that's quite new. So we have a change of pricing. It gets slightly more complicated from what is described and things might go up. The interesting thing, really interesting one, is that they are creating a new uh, lower-cost archive for snapshots so that effectively when you snapshot things and you keep them for archiving purposes, they're not going to cost the same price as when you keep them for compute-intensive things, for workloads. So that's quite important. Uh, if you are going to have, if you use Snapshot in Google to for compliance and archiving, your, your bill should go down. There is also a different change of pricing for data processing pricing for cloud load balancing, and it is in line with other leading cloud providers. So uh, it seemed that some customers have complained enough that they were too different for in the cloud load balancing and now google is following and making sure that price are comparable between cloud vendors which i think is going to be extremely interesting for us yeah uh, if that moves
1: i that i found this one really interesting so when this one first came out um some aws uh ambassadors the wrong word because you're an apn ambassador they're not actual ambassadors but people who are like big on the aws uh, bandwagon basically called out you know are you going to talk about that google have increased their prices um that's how they read this out straight away and if you read the article i do think it's it's written in a way that tries to cover up the fact that for quite a lot of people, this is going to be a price increase um, because of the, the, things that are going up are probably more commonly used than things that are staying the same. Uh oh, sorry, going down. But I, I did find that really very interesting how people were really jumping on the bandwagon about it. Um, Google have been cheaper in a lot of ways for a long time. They're, actual model has been simpler for people to understand if they're coming just straight into cloud and haven't learned one of the ones first. And it's interesting to see that maybe actually they are bending to be more like the market while they actually were very proud of being out and, and different when when they first started. Are they actually kind of going, do you know what? Maybe we'd rather match more than than be different on some of these things because people are finding it too difficult to work out the the like for like price exactly. and they're trying to they're trying to win people migrating between clouds.
0: Yes. So anyway, really cool, really interesting and well, I think next one is yours I
1: think. Yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens. Okay, for those who know uh, or have listened to me a long time, we know that I have favourite services. Um, this one isn't about my favourite AWS service, which we all know is Ground Station. Uh, this is about my favourite Google service, which is Cloud Spanner, which I have had the privilege of being involved in projects that I have used. Um, it is if you uh, watch the kind of the video about when it came out, it, it's just such a cool idea. Anyway finally got a reason to talk about it again um that's because you can now get committed use discount on cloud spanner uh, for those who don't know cloud spanner is a um relational database service that's fully managed that can be like global and in like s- synchronous and just incredible um but the good news is that if you commit uh and this is for the compute portion of it for one year you get a 20 percent discount and three years up to a 40 percent discount um it is depending on what you're doing with it because it kind of goes across region and stuff it can be quite an expensive service but you are also getting something that is very very clever and very difficult to replicate yourself um but uh you know great to see that it's getting an, a stable enough usage from people that it's worth them creating committed use discounts for it
0: Yes, and I think Cloud Spanner is really something. It has both incredible technical capacity. It really shows the lead in, in databases. It's doing stuff that is was considered almost impossible unless you really have a special network. And there are lots of things you need to have to be able to replicate what Cloud Spanner does. On the other side, you pay for it. I remember trying to click one, two, three, four instances and seeing the price getting way too many zeros for me just to run it even for
1: five days yeah i remember we we had two versions of it we were looking at depending on how we deployed it and one of them was 22 grand a month one was 43 grand a month or something like that Um, but i have to say we worked with the product team from it because we were one of the early people to attack it. it is for a really cool project and they were fantastic i I love it when you get to a product team in all the cloud riders because my goodness they know their stuff and it's a real pleasure to talk to them when you when you get a chance anyway there we go there's there's uh, (laughs) a And
0: just so, so not to confuse you, see, uh, I've inverted the later things because we had the news that in the end, we decided to drop, which was about capacity mm-hmm. reservation on Azure, which doesn't impact price. So we removed it. Yeah. So now I'm going to talk to you about on Azure about you can schedule automated emails of your saved cost of use, which... It is brilliant. So you can receive emails telling you and show you nice graphs about uh, what happened uh, in your cost and how your cost is going. So that is quite useful. I'm just slightly impressed by this. Is just coming out now that you couldn't send uh, emails uh, to you if telling, showing your reports. But hey, I, I think you than could never.
1: I think you could, but by putting a bunch of services together. It wasn't just an option, if you know what I mean. Like, you could have yeah. got to do it, but it wasn't just click a button. Yeah. Um, which sometimes gets overloaded. No, I agree. It's it's like, well, yeah, but that's what I need. <laughs> I just need the email. I don't need to go and use the email service to, <laughs> to set up or whatever.
0: It's like before when we were talking about the AWS one. It's, hey, SMS, you can yeah. send your cost <laughs> alert to Slack. Yeah. I say, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's been done yeah. for ages. So, yes. But, yeah. yeah. So, anyway... Enjoy, again, another tool you can say is their fault now. They manage it, not my
1: script. Yeah, agreed. And a final one for me, uh, then I think, if I've understood correctly what we've done. Um, public preview of the ARM64-based Azure VMs uh, can now deliver up to a 50% better price performance. They have jumped on the, um, well, I, I was going to say the Graviton bandwagon, but it's it's the ARM64 bandwagon, and we've just started calling it Graviton because that's uh, what was called AWS. Um, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to just name a load of a, of uh, Azure instances here. Uh, DPS V5, the DPS DS V5, the DPLS V5, the DPLVS V5 VMs are all available. Not to mention the EPS V5s, the EPDS V5s, but I don't believe yet the EPPLS <laughs> V5s, uh, etc. Um, anyway, the important thing here, well, the thing that me and Frank are interested in, is that they they are featuring the Ampere. Ultra uh, ARM-based processors operating at three gigahertz frequency. Um, better overall environmental impact. That is the final phrase. Love that. Um, great to see that people are thinking about those kind of things and, and bringing it in. It's a shame it's at the bottom, the final line. Uh, but, you know, sustainability is key. At some point, we'll probably do an episode on some of that stuff, but... Uh, because they've now got all three cloud vendors have a tool, uh, but in the FinOps Foundation, it's been interesting. People have been looking at like being able to work out what, how they're working it out on their tools, and it's hard work. Um, our friends at ThoughtWorks have, have released the um, cloud costs. Sorry, the cloud carbon footprint was it called? Is yes, all? I think that's. Yeah, I think you're right here. Yeah. And that's really cool uh, if you want to look at that stuff. Um, and if anyone wants to message us and uh, to come on and talk about that, that'd be super. We'll probably try to get some of the guys who've been building some of those tools to help as well. Anyway, and that is our final piece of yes. news. But
0: uh, I, I have a part which reminds me of the past. Is It seems that now we have ARM is the new... Star. So you have on one side, you have the x86 and you have Intel AMD and now we have more and more ARM CPUs. So mm-hmm. Apple is doing their own. Amazon's doing their own. It seemed that Azure is not doing their own, but they're buying from us. Is Google going to do their own stuff? Do they have their own A- ARM thing? Or it just, is unusual maybe, that it,
1: Google would be last to the party on something like this. Yes. Unless they're just going to come up with something called, you know, Leg 94 or whatever, <laughs> and they're going to do something entirely different. It's, not, it's going to be an entirely different way of working chips. Maybe, I mean, maybe they're plowing the money into quantum. I don't know. Every time I speak um, to someone about quantum, though, it's it's still like 10 years away, right? So, yeah, I don't know. For... <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: it's uh, <clears throat> they present the new Tau VMs, and yeah, it's AMD Milan. AMD, yeah. They compare to Vendor A. <laughs> which is which is an orange colour and uh, which is on ARM. <laughs>
1: yeah. Not, uh, yeah. And vendor B, which is on blue colour.
0: Guess what? Uh, anyway. But I bet that was
1: against that wasn't against these new um ARM sixty four based chips though, was it?
0: No, 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 I'm yeah. pretty sure. But uh, that's when you do those checks—is you do it against what you prefer?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to have our friend um, Anthony come and do a uh, Anthony come and do a show soon. He does. Uh, he has a benchmarking organisation. Yes. And um, I've asked him to do some kind of checks very recently um, regarding some some of the new chipsets and things. Um, what what this man doesn't know about um, <laughs> machine types in the cloud and beyond just the big three—that's what's really interesting. Um, you know and and how how they're throttling like they can tell you all of this but like he can actually give you an idea of how they're throttling the cpus or splitting them up and all that kind of stuff which i think is really interesting so we will we've got lots of interesting things to come up and then he agreed on a conversation i had with him last week um to to come on we've known him for like two years i can't believe we've not got him on yet um but yeah Yeah. so lots of cool things coming um and yeah that's all the news i've got
0: (laughs) i think that well that's the same for me that's all the news i've got too so Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this, this show again. And, uh, well, continue listening. And we, next month, we'll come up with even more interesting news. And in the meantime, you will have Web Brown uh, having an interview with us. And uh, for and he is the co-founder of
1: Cubicast. Perfect. Speak soon, Frank.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.